If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. My oh my, folks, here we are on the eve of the election 2020, and I can hear him backpedaling all over the place here. Talk about that briefly today. also have a conversation that I want to share with you I'm with Daniel Elliott, the chairman of the Morgan County Republican Party talking about the importance of voting down ticket. This election, this election is about a lot of things. And one thing it is about is, it should be about, is the rejection of the ideology being perpetrated, being advanced by the Democrat Party at all levels of government. So we'll talk about that share that conversation as well. But I've got to start. By the way, I should start by telling you email Todd at ToddFshow.com. You can email me your thoughts, opinions, feedback, yes, even your adoration and praise. Additionally, you can check us out on Facebook where we're still streaming live. Who knows what they'll do if uh, in the wake of this election. I put nothing past these folks. I can tell you I can tell you, and some of you can echo this just from what you've experienced personally, but um, we have seen a change in how many folks were reaching through Facebook, and I have no reason to believe that's for any other, well, anything else other than we're conservative and what we see with the silencing of conservative messages on social media. But we're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter streaming this morning. Good morning uh, if you're watching on any of those programs as well. So I want to start here. I want to start here with Nate Silver. This is absolutely astonishing to me. This is astonishing to me what they're now saying. Remember, if you look at the projections, I go back to what it was in 2016 as well, the morning of the election. So I'm, I'm telling you this, if you're a Trump supporter and you follow these polls incessantly or whatever the case may be, if you are just worried about things when you see certain, um, you know, when you see certain numbers coming in or I, the New York Times, they actually emailed out over the weekend that Biden is up 11 points in Pennsylvania, 11 points folks. And you look at where he is actually campaigning. 
I mean, he's campaigning in Pennsylvania. Why would you spend? Why would you spend? I'm looking now at showing the average is, is uh, Biden up four in Pennsylvania. Why would you spend all of your time in the state? This is where Biden is. Biden, remember, is a is the third senator from Pennsylvania. That's what he says. He was born and raised in Scranton. Him and his identical twin brother, Michael Scott, they were raised in Scranton, PA. Biden, for some reason, is up massive numbers of points there. Again, I think the New York Post had him up 11 in Pennsylvania. But yet this is where the guy is campaigning. Folks, this is not adding up. You look at the states that they're campaigning in. They're the states. I'm looking right here. We go. Uh, Cleveland. By the way, Biden's only going to be in two states today, Ohio and Pennsylvania. Trump's going to be in uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina, which is, I mean, a little bit concerning, I think. If you want to know what, what these campaigns think, look at where they're, they're campaigning today. Remember, I go back to 2016. All the big guns in the Democrat Party ended up going to Pennsylvania. And the big guns at the time were Barack and Michelle Obama and Bill and Hillary Clinton. You remember that? They all went to they all went to Pennsylvania. Now, Biden's in Ohio. Is there a chance Biden wins Ohio? I guess. Do I think that's likely? I don't, but heck, what do I know? We can't trust trust these pollsters at all. And now they're starting to backtrack. The things that they've been telling us all this time, Biden's up massive numbers of points. Remember, he was up 14 points or some stupid number here recently. Now they're starting to tell us, well, things that happen 10% of the time actually happen fairly often. What in the world? This is what Nate, I don't think Nate Silver understands statistics. That's what he says. I'm going to play this clip. It's, it's astonishing to me. They're backtracking. They're hedging their bets. It makes you wonder if the polling, again, this is a very fair question in my estimation, and some people do not want to hear it, but I think it's a very fair question to ask, why on earth, why on earth does this happen every election? Why are we, why is it that these polls seem to be used more to persuade people than to reflect what people actually believe because if if trump wins this election if trump wins this election what should happen unequivocally undeniably is that we should pay absolutely zero percent of our attention to these pollsters frank luntz is on record as saying that if the polls get it wrong in 2020 they've basically destroyed themselves and ruined the reputation i i don't know that that's going to be the case because I think that people get caught up in the emotion of the election and all the attention then suddenly goes to what's going to happen next. What can they do to stop Trump next? When can they impeach him next? There was no – there were absolutely no consequences for them getting it dramatically wrong in 2016. In fact, they'll tell you that they weren't really that wrong. All of their polls – it just so happened that all of their polls, um, you know, it, it fell within the margin of error, Trump's victory. But if you paid any attention on the morning of the election last year, you would have seen that they gave Hillary Clinton something like a 98.6% chance of winning the election. Trump had a 1.2% chance or something like this. I'd have to look at the numbers. But you know what I'm saying. 
You know what I'm saying? And then they'll say, but but see, Trump still had a 1.2% chance. He didn't have a 0% chance. So we weren't wrong. What do you mean you weren't wrong? Don't act like something that has a 1.2% chance is really something that happens all the time. By definition, Nate Silver and other pollsters and other statisticians, things that happen 1.2% of the time, let me rock your world here for a second, 1.2% of the time happens one time roughly out of 100. Well, but Todd, that one election just happened to be the one baloney. You're going to tell me that's going to happen again? You know the odds of something in two... Uh, two uh, sequential elections, presidential elections, 2016 and 2020. What are the odds that the guy who had a 1.2% chance of winning in 2016 also comes out who has a 10% chance or whatever number they're giving him this year and wins the next one as well? You know the odds of both of those things happening? I'd have to do the math on that. Somebody out there probably can. But it is astronomically low. In fact, you could say you could say statistically approaching zero. It's like Hillary Clinton in 2016 winning all of the coin tosses. Remember that in Iowa, every time that there was a precinct where there were there was a tie between her and Bernie, she won something like eight coin tosses in a row. The odds of that are astronomical. Astronomical. The odds were about as high. About the same as what it was that Elizabeth Warren should be considered a Native American. But it's astronomically high, but yet they act like, oh, well, you know, that's just the way that it works. No, it's not the way that it works. I want you to listen to this. To say, and by the way, he says in this soundbite, Nate Silver of 538, the supposed little G God, like Charlemagne the God, the little G G God of polling is out there telling us that – I mean, they've been telling us that Trump's going to get annihilated. But now he's telling us what I've been saying on this program for some time. If Biden doesn't win Pennsylvania, folks, I don't know how he wins this election. In fact, you could say if Trump wins Pennsylvania, you talk about the odds flipping completely from his predictions. I would say that Trump's odds of winning are probably 90 percent plus at that point. So anyway, I want to play this exchange. This is. Yesterday, I believe, this is Nate Silver on what is he with ABC, whatever their whatever their propaganda show is here with George Stephanopoulos. But listen to this exchange. I'm going to play a minute or so of this, and I just want you to hear this. I want you to listen to some of these comments, and I want you to listen if this even sounds remotely close to what you've been hearing people saying about the polls for the past several months now. Here you go. Where's your forecast this morning? So we have Trump with a 10% shot and Biden with a 90% shot. Um, so 10% things happen fairly often. Um, at the same time, you could have a polling error of the magnitude of 2016, and instead of losing all these states by a point, then Biden would win Pennsylvania by a point or two, Michigan by two or three points, Arizona by a point. So that little extra cushion when people who didn't like Clinton and Trump but can tolerate Biden might be enough, even if there is a polling miss. On the other hand, if you had a polling error like 2012... Then you could see Obama over, or rather Biden overperform, right? He might win states like Texas, for example. By the way, in, in these Hispanic rich states, Democrats have sometimes beaten their polls. It's a harder group to necessarily get on the phone. And so, so there are like lots of upside cases for Biden. And there are also cases where he wins in a squeaker. But like, but I'm sure everyone's kind of concerned about that, 
that 10% well, yeah, chance. Yeah, you say happen. you spend, you tweeted the other day, you spend 90% of your time thinking about that 10%. So when you, <laughs> when you think about that and you're writing the headline, writing the story on Wednesday that Donald Trump won, what would be the key factors? I think it would come down to Pennsylvania, the fact that, as Tom said, Pennsylvania has not bumped up to a seven or eight point Biden lead like we see in Michigan and Wisconsin. It's five points. It's not a big early voting state, so a lot of votes have not yet been cast in Pennsylvania. Among the votes that were sent in by mail, there are some provisions about a naked ballot, a security envelope. That could make things more complicated. You can get have the courts involved. You have some protests, looting in Philadelphia, right? There's lots of stuff going on, and maybe a lot of little things add up, and Biden loses Pennsylvania by half a point, and then he doesn't quite pull off Arizona or North Carolina. I mean, he does have other options, right? I mean, North Carolina is a state where a lot of the vote is in. Um, Obama won it in 08 when it looked very similar nationally. So that could be a problem for the GOP, Arizona. But still, without Pennsylvania, then Biden becomes an underdog. Let's take a look at those options with, with Tom Yamas down there. Did you, did you hear that? Without Pennsylvania, Biden becomes an underdog. Does this sound anything like to what they've been telling you? Anything like to what anything similar to what the pollsters have been telling you, telling all of us for the past several months. Does this sound anything somewhat even close to to that? If Biden loses Pennsylvania, he becomes an underdog. And what is this comment about ten percent ten percent chance things happening fairly uh, fairly often? Ten percent chance things do not happen fairly often. That's the, that's the point of calling it a 10% chance thing of happening. Don't try to rewrite what statistics mean, Nate Silver. If you tell me something has a 90% chance of happening, it means that if the scenario were to be able to play out nine, 10 times, nine times it would happen the way in which it is said to have a 90% chance of happening. If it happened 10 times and you said something had a 10% chance of happening, if you could play through a scenario 10 times, that 10% chance thing would happen one time. What In what universe is one out of 10 a fairly common or happens all the time sort of scenario? What is this guy talking about? If this is what his definitions of statistics mean, I'll tell you what this means. Trump's going to win this thing. That's what that means. If what... Nate Silver is up here blabbing about nonsensical gibberish, folks. A guy that's supposed to be the statistical genius of our day doesn't even understand remotely what these terms mean. If what he is saying is true, it means Biden is absolutely unequivocally the underdog here. Because again, Nate Silver is, I mean, Nate Silver's a leftist. Nate Silver wants Joe Biden. That's what he wants. There's no question about this. Anyway, on the eve of the election, 2020, who would have thought Who would have thought we end up exactly where we were back in 2016? I would even say, except this time, there, there's two factors. Trump is hated more than he was in 2016. But on top of that, there's a whole heck of a lot more energy and momentum for Trump in 2020 than there were in, was in 2016. This is Look, folks, this can still go either direction. It comes down to key states and how certain people vote, who votes and how they vote, because it is a, it's a slim margin in the Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, maybe even Minnesota, maybe Nevada, maybe New Hampshire, maybe Florida. 
maybe North Carolina, possibly Arizona. But I'm telling you what, if Trump wins Arizona, if Trump wins Florida, if Trump wins North Carolina, that's 260. That's 260 out of 270. Biden loses Pennsylvania, it's over. Biden loses Michigan, it's over. Biden loses Wisconsin, it's over. Biden loses Minnesota, it's over. Biden loses Nevada and New Hampshire together, it's over. At that point, the map plays out in Trump's favor much, uh, much, much better than it does for Biden. Now, if Biden wins North Carolina, if Biden wins Arizona, if Biden wins Florida, that's a bad problem. If Biden, God forbid, wins Texas and Georgia, that's another big problem. But as it stands now, as it stands now, if Trump can hold on to Texas and Georgia and win Arizona, North Carolina, Florida, Biden has to run the table. Biden has to win every single Rust Belt state, and that is where they're campaigning. So who's on defense here? Who's worried about this uh, the most in your estimation? Who is hitting the campaign trail with the absolute fervor, by the way? Trump's all over the place. Biden's sticking home so he can get back to the closet by dinner time. The basement, whatever. Got to take a break along in this segment. Going to come back and share a conversation I have and talk about the uh, with, with Daniel Elliott, Republican Party chair here in my county, in Morgan County, talking about the importance of all the offices on the ballot tomorrow or for those of you that have voted early, of course, on your early ballot as well. But we'll talk about that when we get back. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Again, folks, we have, we have, <laughs> in many ways, a repeat of 2016. Now, the result is not necessarily the same yet, but it certainly can be. And so I'm going to be off the schedule here a little bit so the uh, you know, actually, what I'm going to do here, this segment's going to be really short, and we're going to play the interview, uh, the following segment, because it'll keep us on track a little bit better. But we are squaring up. We are in the position exactly where we were in 2020. And I had it flipped. New York Times poll that just came out last night showed that Biden is up five in Pennsylvania. He's up, they say, 11 in Wisconsin. 11 points in in Wisconsin. We'll see. I mean, I, I just, I don't believe this. I really don't. I'm not saying that Trump will win Wisconsin, but I am having incredible doubts about Trump being down 11 points in Wisconsin. In fact, if you follow, again, there's there's three pollsters now. There's three pollsters who are saying that Trump is going to win this. It's not just the Trafalgar group. It's the state polls. I had a friend text me that the other day. I think it's called state polls is one that predicts a Trump victory. And also someone at, uh, oh, I have it in my notes and they're on the the printer there. I can't, I can't see him from here. Susquehanna, I think, is the other one. So anyway, here we are. Here we are. So we shall see how this plays out. But 
I want to share this conversation because it's not just, it certainly matters, president matters, Senate absolutely matters. In fact, the state polls, <laughs> you want to really drive a leftist crazy. Tell them what the state polls prediction are. The state polls prediction polling group, again, I'm not saying this is true, but I'm saying that these these groups are out there. They say that Republicans will actually increase the amount of seats they have in the Senate, I think to 54. That's an increase of one, which would be remarkable in this in this election, given that the Republicans are playing defense, given that their their seats are all up for re-election, more so than anyone else's, the Democrats anyway. But anyhow, 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 this is um, the, the, all the seats on these ballots matter. All the seats on this ballot matter, and I would encourage you to strongly consider. Now, I would tell you in Indiana. I hope that you strongly consider uh, Donald Rainwater for governor. But beyond that, at least on my ballot, there was you know nothing else worth looking into besides Republicans. And so voting down ballot matters in a lot of ways as well. So we'll talk about that with Daniel Elliott, our guest here after the break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Special guest here with me in the studio this morning. This morning, six-year-old wandered down here, sitting quietly on the couch. But I wanted to share with you, share with you a conversation I had with Daniel Elliott, Republican Party Chair here in Morgan County. But folks, no matter where you're from, Republican Party chairs would echo this uh, these sentiments across the state. Across the state, we have an ideological battle that is taking place at all levels of our government, and we need to make decisions to elect people that want limited government and who want to slow the growth, hopefully, in the best case scenario, reverse the growth and get back to true limited constitutional government. But this matters all the way up and down the ticket. So Daniel Elliott talks about that with me, and here is our conversation. Well, it is election time, and here we are just uh, on the eve of, of an election. In fact, we've got early voting happening, absentee voting, all sorts of things happening. And so wanted to invite a friend of mine, Daniel Elliott. He is the chairman of the Morgan County Republican Party to talk a little bit about the election in general, but then specifically some of the things that are going to be down the ballot, other things, other offices besides president and some of the popular offices, governor. And so for things down ballot and why those might matter. So, Daniel, welcome to the program. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Todd. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Well, it's my pleasure. And this is important stuff. It's important that folks understand. And I know our listeners um, that they follow this closely. But, you know, even the most seasoned uh, follower of politics can find themselves in a voting booth and looking at a particular race and think, I don't know who the people are. I may not even be sure what this office does explain to us why the races down ballot why those matter well the, one of the key things about why down ballot races matters because those are the front lines when it comes to interactions between the citizens and the residents and their government uh, when you think about your your city streets that is somebody down ballot when you think about the streets in your county if you live out in the country 
that are those are the folks down ballot your commissioners your council when you think about uh when you when you're paying your property taxes all of that happens at the local level and uh and these are things that believe it or not people have a lot a lot more direct ability to affect change to be able to notice an issue just say something as simple as there's some big potholes in my street i can call up a local government official, a local elected official or uh, representative and get those things taken care of. Some of the other things that when we talk about down ballot, kind of more the middle of the ballot tends to be things that deal with states. Um, if you look at things like um, protection for the unborn, those are issues that are almost always decided at the state level. And so these are these are are so important because the individuals that you're selecting to represent you in these areas, they affect your life daily. Now, of course, we all support President Trump. We wanna make sure we have good, strong, conservative leadership in the White House. And that is important for larger policy decisions. But the the day-to-day things that happen in your communities are all affected by people who are your neighbors because you're voting on your neighbors to do those jobs. So let's look at some of the state <clears throat> state offices that maybe don't get the attention. Everybody knows about president. Everyone knows really, I think, about governor as well. But what about what are what are some of those offices, state level offices that um, you would want to draw folks attention to here as they uh, cast their votes here um, on Election Day? Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, one of the first ones that we need to be paying attention to is the race for attorney general. The attorney general is the state's attorney. And uh, of course, if that if that attorney general is a strong conservative like Todd Rakita, then, you know, you're going to have someone who is going to be fighting for the the rights of the unborn. Our current attorney general is well known for doing that and has has taken fights to this uh, to the Supreme Court. If we had a Democrat like Weinzapple in that race or in that office, he's not going to go forward and try to push for uh, protections of the unborn because he doesn't believe in protections for the unborn. Uh, if you look at things like states' rights issues, that sometimes, you know, let's, you know, sometimes the federal government does get out of control, whether it's Republican or Democrat leadership. You need to have someone who's going to fight for states' rights issues. You're not going to find that in the Democrat, but you're going to find that in Todd Rakita. Uh, a key issue that's happening right now is the, um, uh, in this front and center for all of us, is the issue of law enforcement and the needs for law enforcement mm-hmm. to be able to get out there and protect us. Um, and uh, right now, you know, the Democrats are oftentimes pushing for more restrictions on our law enforcement, whereas we need to have a strong law and order uh, attorney general out there like Todd Rakita to make sure that we have someone defending our law enforcement and protecting us. That's exactly right. And it doesn't take much, uh, much time and effort to, to look at what is erupting all around the country, even in, in Indianapolis uh, in the past here with some of the um, out of control behavior and, and things. And, and law and order is certainly a factor to to be considered. What about locally, Daniel? What are some local races? You know, you get to some of these these seats or some of these elected positions, and I'm not sure the average person can tell you anything about some of these things like coroner or maybe treasurer, surveyor, those sorts of things. What locally, what are some things we should 
pay attention to? And again, why do those races matter as well? Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll you mentioned coroner. I'll use that as a perfect example. Here in Morgan County, uh, we have um, a, a coroner. Uh, most people don't realize this, but the coroner, you know what a coroner does. But what they don't realize is it's a constitutional office. And because of that, it is term limited. You only get two terms as coroner. So we have a new person running for coroner. Uh, we've had good, strong Republican leadership in, in Annette Butcher uh, for many years as our coroner. She's actually brought Morgan County to the forefront in, in leadership and in, in doing some of the work that needs to be done for families and for uh, issues that are facing us. A coroner almost always is the person on the front line dealing with the drug issue, um, dealing with it at its worst, at the, with the death of, of someone. Or, of course, every time there's a car accident and, and unfortunately there's a fatality, that corner is there. So you need to have good, strong leadership to make sure that, that these individuals are, are doing this job well, that they're doing it in a, in a way that is fiscally sound. And we have that in good Republican leadership. Now, our new one, uh, the new person running who's Republican is Mike Ellis, and uh, he's the current deputy coroner just know him personally as a friend as well as seeing him act professionally. And I cannot tell you, um, you know, I, I've rarely seen somebody who puts so much heart into the job, but also has a great deal of skill. And it's important that people realize that in these types of jobs, you know, this job, let's be honest, you and I don't want to do that job. Most people do not. Mm -hmm. It takes a very special skill set and a very special heart to do that job. And we are fortunate to have someone like Mike Ellis doing that, uh, running for that. But when we look at the, the votes, we need to make sure that we're voting in those skills, those, those abilities and that heart. Um, and these jobs also can be, you can move on to say county council. Uh, right now, a perfect example on county councils uh, is that they're making jobs, uh, making decisions about budgets. I happen to be a county councilman right now. And I can tell you in our in our particular position in Morgan County, we would never, ever, ever consider defunding our sheriff's department. Just not, not going to happen. It isn't in our DNA. But that's why you need to make sure you have good Republican leadership because that's happening in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and that's what's really, really scary. If you, uh, you know, you suddenly see, wait a minute, some of the stuff, this rhetoric you see happening in in other communities could be hitting really, really close to home if you don't select the type of leadership. And in your local levels, it has a direct effect on you. Uh, point in, in a case in point, something I'm very proud of as a councilman, since I've been on the council, I've advocated every year to bring in new police officers, new sheriff deputies into our, into our county. But you see in other communities where they're wanting to take away police officers. Well, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I know in, in what I'm seeing increases in, in drug usage, increases in crime. These are not things that we need to be shooting ourselves in the foot and, and keeping us from having the tools and the people necessary to figure these things out. And so that's where good conservative leadership helps make good decisions about your local community. And you get to have a direct impact on that and say, yes, I know Daniel. I know he's going to vote for this, um, and that's that's what's so key about these local local races. You're right, and and I have a a friend that you know as well. He's a Republican town councilman, and he and I, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, yeah, he's on the town council, and 
you know, there are the, the, the political ideological battle is being waged in this country at all levels of government. And we have to we have to regain control at all levels because I'm reminded, Daniel, back in 2000 when Florida was doing their recounts and hanging chads and all that stuff. The amount of local and state officials that were making very critical decisions as to how things proceeded there. And I think the average person may not really grasp that this ideological battle extends in a lot of ways all the way down the ballot and could, uh, in certain circumstances, raise its ugly head. And uh, there be circumstances where, like you said, police are defunded because we have a of a, a liberal council in, say, Indianapolis or what have you. So maybe talk a little bit about that, about how, how the ideology of the parties really does trickle down to all those local uh, decision-making processes. So that, that is a really excellent point. And you look at, say, a, a county like Morgan County, where it tends to be strong Republican, or Johnson County, also strong Republican counties. These counties... Uh, have been very fiscally responsible. We've been very fiscally responsible. As we go into a pandemic, another pandemic year, I, as we look at the numbers, it looks like 2021 is still going to be, we're going to be in the midst of this pandemic. Morgan County, Johnson County, other Republican uh, counties, they they go into these into this difficult situation actually with a good amount of reserves. Why? Because they save mm-hmm. money. They said, hey, we're going to save things back for a rainy day because we don't know when it's going to happen, but we know it will. And now we're in the middle of that rain and we're able to still function and do the do provide the services of government. You look at places like Indianapolis, they're having more difficulties. They're having you know, they have Democrat leadership and they're they're having budgetary issues. They're discussing cutting funding for their police departments. They're discussing cutting funding for um, roads and streets. That's not happening in Republican controlled counties. And this, this goes back to a really big fundamental principle of conservative um, leadership. And that is, we only need to provide the services that we should be providing. And then we should be using, you know, we should be taxing our, our, our folks as little as possible, our residents. But then whatever we do tax, whatever we do bring in is, is revenue. We should be very conservative and, and fiscally responsible with that because we don't know when we're not going to when we're going to have a difficulty. Now that we're having that difficulty, mm-hmm. we're able to show, oh, wait a minute, since I had, you know, the analogy of money in the piggy bank. Now I'm able to do things with that money that I couldn't have, have expected. A perfect example is during the midst of this crisis in Morgan County and in Johnson County, Republican leadership because they were fiscally sound, they had money available to start buying the, the PPEs and other, other public safety supplies mm-hmm. that were needed because of that. Um, Indiana as a whole, two, $2 billion in reserves, yet you have Illinois right next door. And let's be honest, there is not a big difference between the people of Illinois and the people of Indiana. Mm-hmm. But Illinois is literally going to the federal government saying, we can't afford to do any of this stuff. You need to give us money. That that yeah, completely. That is literally mm-hmm. the, during these times of 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 crisis. This is when you start to realize what's the difference between actual leadership. 
That's right. And we've got to make those decisions uh, sometimes before having any idea. No one knew COVID was coming, that sort of thing. So we've got to make these decisions based upon some really fundamentally important things. So, Daniel, I would say last um, last word for you here. What um, what would you want to say to voters, those in our listening audience, as they um, are either preparing to uh, well, as they prepare to, to cast their ballots here for this election? I would I would encourage you to vote for, you know, of course, vote for Donald Trump as president. We want his continued leadership and have people like Amy Comey Barrett uh, in the Supreme Court. Those are great and important reasons to get out and vote. But also just as important is to get out and vote for people like State Senator Rob Ray, for Mike Ellis, for your county, your Republican county council, your Republican commissioners. These individuals are there to make sure things happen here in the local level, in the state level. And the leadership that they provided has helped us enter into a crisis with our head held high and confident we're going to be able to get through the other side. So I would encourage you to vote for these Republican leaders now as we as we are in the midst of this crisis, because of their leadership, we've been able to continue through this crisis and still be able to provide the same types of services. So vote for those folks. Get to know them. Talk to them. The funny thing about it is you can actually call most of them on their cell phones and talk to them. Yeah, it's important. This ideology, this ideological battle runs all the way up and down the ballot. Daniel, you've uh, helped us help shine some light on some of those races. I appreciate you taking time to visit with us today. This is Daniel Elliott, chairman of the Morgan County Republican Party. Daniel, let's hope uh, we have a big Republican victory uh, election night here. In, uh, I'm counting on it. Thank you very much, Todd, for your time. I really appreciate it. Welcome back, folks. Just have a minute here as we are, again, off schedule because of the interview. But look, it is important. Obviously, president of the United States is important. Obviously, if you have a senator on your ballot, that is important. Your your representative, your U.S. representative from your district, wherever you are located, is important. But it continues beyond that. Your governor, if there's a governor on the ballot in your state, of course, many of you are from Indiana. You have that choice in Indiana. I, that's an important race. Up and down the ballot, secretary of state, down all the way down to, to you know town, uh, councilman, school board. Now, school board is a nonpartisan, they say, nonpartisan office. But anyway, these races matter. The ideology of the left, which has infiltrated and taken control of the Democrat Party is very dangerous no matter where it is on the ballot, and it must be soundly defeated tomorrow. Quick timeout needed. Come back and wrap up. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. That is all of the time we have today. But again, this election comes down to key states as we I've always known that it was going to. And your vote matters. Cast that vote today or tomorrow. I know that there's a lot of excitement here 
and we need to start looking at what's going to happen. We got all sorts of scenarios that we need to talk about. By the way, I should tell you tomorrow night, tomorrow night, election day, we'll be on live. You can catch us on a lot of places, but including Freedom 95 starting at 9 p.m. talking about the returns, folks. So looking forward to that very much. Have a great day. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.